0: chapter eighteen of pixie o'shaughnessy by mrs george de domain. christmas preparations esmeralda strolled into the house in time for afternoon tea and smiled complacently around as she warmed herself at the fire blue cloth she announced triumphantly no more serge thank you but good solid cloth with a fine surface to it and a smart little coat instead of a bodice which was pure unselfishness on my part for i should have been fitted well enough and the man pressed it on me but i thought of you me darling and the agony it would be to you to have your waist misjudged by a couple of inches so i stuck to the coat and i hope you are grateful i am said bridgie frankly but there was a pained expression mingling with her satisfaction and presently she added slowly so dennis was right and you got your way again i have been trying for ages to persuade father that we needed a new habit but he paid no attention to me you didn't go about it the right way me dear you are fifty times cleverer than i but there is one thing you don't understand and that is how to manage men they hate and detest being told what to do and the secret of getting round them is to make believe that what you want is their own suggestion you have to be very cunning and that's just what you can never manage to be yes she can came a shrill cry from the doorway as pixie burst into the room and made a bee line for the tea-table indeed she can now esmeralda so it's no use denying it she can perfectly well the three listeners looked at each other with questioning glances for such vehemence was somewhat bewildering on the part of one who could not possibly have heard the first part of the conversation what can she do queried esmeralda sternly whatever you say she can't replied the champion unabashed and at that the cloud rolled off bridgie's brow like mist before the sun oh you precious goose bridgie can do everything can't she she always could in your eyes it's very silly of you dear but it's very nice i'm not at all vexed with you about it you would be though if you were her true friend but you always spoil one another you two cried esmeralda lightly then she stared round the room with a surprised expression and added disapprovingly you seem to have been fairly lazy while i've been out i thought you would have been getting on with the decorations whatever have you been doing roaming about and actually daring to enjoy ourselves like other people retorted bridgie with what mademoiselle was glad to recognise as a decided nip of severity but from this minute there must be no more playing until the work is finished dennis has cut the evergreens and we must begin making wreaths at once so as to be in order when jack arrives to-morrow evening we could have two hours work before dinner i loathe making wreaths they are so dirty and prickly and i take a pride in me hands they are the only ones i have and what's the use of sleeping in white kid gloves the same as if i were dressed for a party if they are to be scratched all over with that hateful holly esmeralda stretched out two well-shaped if somewhat large hands and gazed at them with pensive admiration but bridgie was firm and scratches or no scratches insisted that she should take her own share of the work as soon as tea was over then the family descended to the servants hall a whitewashed apartment about as cheerful as a vault and but little warmer despite the big peat fire where they set to work to reduce a stack of evergreens into wreaths and borderings for cotton-wool merry christmases and happy new years reserved from former occasions pat and miles cut the branches into smaller and more workable proportions pixie unravelled string and wire and the three elders worked steadily at their separate wreaths at the end of an hour they had progressed so well that it was suggested that the three fragments should be tied together and the wreath hung in the hall to clear the room for further operations the suggestion being universally approved a stormy half-hour followed when each of the five O'Shaughnessys harangued the others concerning the superiority of his or her own plan of decoration and precious lives were imperilled on the oldest and shakiest of stepladders the boys could naturally mount to the highest step without a fear but when mounted were so clumsy and inartistic in their arrangements that they were called down with derisive cries and retired to sulk in a corner then bridgie lifted her skirt and gallantly ascended five steps felt the board sway beneath her and scuttled down to make way for her sister the daring rider across country possessed stronger nerves but also a heavier body and the latter creaked so ominously beneath her that she insisted upon the whole company acting as props in one breath sending them running for hammer and rope and in the next shrieking to them to return to their posts by the time that the wreath was really hung the friction had reached such a pitch that mademoiselle expected a state of civil war for the rest of the evening and even wondered if the atmosphere would have time to clear before christmas itself she could hardly believe the evidence of her senses when the boys affably volunteered to clear away the rubbish and bridgie and esmeralda went upstairs with wreathed arms calling one another darling and love with the echo of sharp taunt and sharper reply still ringing in the air certainly if the irish tongue were quick the heart seemed even quicker to forgive an enemy or pardon an offence by the time that mademoiselle had retired to bed that night the last remnant of strangeness had vanished and she felt like a lifelong friend and confidant she had seen the menu for the christmas dinner and had helped to manufacture jellies and creams while pixie perched upon the dresser industriously scraping basins of their sweet lemony creamy leavings with the aid of a teaspoon and an occasional surreptitious finger when her sisters were looking in the opposite direction she suggested and achieved such marvels in the way of garnishing that molly was greatly impressed being a very plain cook in more ways than one and solemnly asked for advice upon the killing of turkeys when mademoiselle had to acknowledge ignorance and lost caste forthwith then esmeralda invited her to a display of evening dresses in her bedroom and wished to know which she should wear the black silk with the net top or net top over a white skirt or the black silk with no top at all and bridgie plaintively appealed to her for the casting vote on the great question of crackers or no crackers it was certainly a curious mingling of grandeur and poverty this life in the half-ruined castle with its magnificent tapestries and carvings its evidences of bygone splendour and alas present-day parsimony the little house at passy could have been put down inside the great entrance hall but it was a trim little habitation where on a minute scale all the refinements and niceties of life were observed and income and expenditure were so well balanced that there was always a margin to the good but the misses o'shaughnessy who bore themselves as queens in the neighbourhood and were treated with truly loyal deference owned hardly a decent gown between them and were seriously exercised about spending an extra half-crown on a christmas dinner it's the trifles that mount up i'm a miser about pennies but i can spend pounds with the best bridgie explained and mademoiselle smiled meaningly for had not the order just gone forth that the castle was to be illumined once more for the arrival of the sun and air on christmas eve the rain fell in torrents and after a morning spent in preparations of one sort and another the workers felt the need of a little amusing recreation this did not seem easy to achieve in this lonely habitation set in the midst of a rain-swept plain but bridgie's fertile brain came to the rescue and proposed a scheme which kept the young people busy for the rest of the afternoon i vote we have a fancy dress dinner to-night she cried at the conclusion of lunch not an ordinary affair but like the one the pegrams enjoyed so much when they were spending the winter in grindelwald a sheet and pillow-case party they called it for that is all you have out of which to make your dress i will open the linen box and give you each a pair of sheets and a pillow-case for headgear, and you must arrange them in your own rooms and not let anyone see you until the gong rings it really will be quite pretty all the white figures against the flags and holly and we shall feel more festive than in our ordinary clothes i think it will be great fun don't you Great fun indeed. The O'Shaughnessy family was always ready for any excitement and particularly so at Christmas time, a season when we all feel that we ought to be festive and are injured in our minds if there is nothing to make us so. Esmeralda fell at once to pleating her table napkin into one shape after another. Mademoiselle smiled over a happy inspiration whereupon wily pat put on his most angelic look and asked will you dress me mademoiselle a man's no good at this sort of thing you can't fasten sheets with screws and i'm no hand at fancy stitching i've an idea i'd look rather well as he whispered a few words into her ear and mademoiselle threw up her hands and laughed and nodded in emphatic assent Pixie and miles fell to bridgie's share while the major declared that he would have nothing to do with such foolishness but with a ruminating expression on his face which belied the words bridgie went upstairs immediately after lunch and opening her linen chest apportioned its contents among the different members of the family some wanted large sheets some wanted small some begged for frills to their pillow-cases some preferred plain but at last all were satisfied and were further supplied with tape from the various work-baskets while pixie was sent around of the bedrooms to pick up the pins with which the floors were liberally scattered as the demand in this direction was so large as to be practically unlimited esmeralda flew off at once with the boys in her train but mademoiselle lingered to help bridgie to fold away the linen that was not needed and to enjoy the luxury of a quiet chat which was not an easy thing to accomplish in this noisy household bridgie in company was always laughing and gay but the visitor had already noticed that bridgie alone was apt to grow grave and to wear a wistful pucker on her brow It was there now, as she locked the chest and sat down on the lid, stretching out her arms with a sigh of weariness. The wintry light left the gallery full of shadows, and the only bright thing to be seen was the girl's own golden head outlined against the oak walls. Mademoiselle thought that if she had been an artist, she could have wished for no fairer picture than this old world corridor with the fair face of the young mistress shining out like a lily in the darkness but the lily toiled more than she liked to see and she could not restrain a protest against the custom which gave one sister all the work and another all the play you are tired already before the day is half over and now you have those children's dresses to look after as well as your own why do you not make esmeralda help instead of doing every thing yourself esmeralda is it bridgie's face lit up with a smile as she repeated the name indeed now mademoiselle i've never worked so hard in my life as when esmeralda has been trying to help and i have to tidy away after her she has the best will in the world poor thing but work doesn't come naturally to her you mustn't be hard on her she shows her worst side to a stranger for though her first impulse may be selfish when she takes time to think she is all generosity and kindness that habit now she was longing to have a fitted bodice but she chose a coat out of consideration for me she's a darling and so young yet that i don't like to worry her let her have a good time as long as she may it will be hard enough soon mademoiselle started and looked alarmed questionings and bridgie smiled in response saying in cool conversational tones we're ruined you know we can't go on living here much longer father has spent all his money and we should have had to leave before now but that he came into a little more at mother's death it was not much and it is going very fast it can't be more than a year or two at most before the crash comes so you can't wonder i let the boys and girls enjoy themselves can you May we? Oui, i wonder very much cried mademoiselle dismayed at what seemed to her prudent mind such a fatal way of preparing for a difficulty the kind thing surely would be to prepare them for what will come it will make it more hard if they have never known work in three years one can do much to prepare for a struggle why do you not speak to your sister and say it is time to start play why do you not send her away to work and then perhaps the bad day need never come after all bridgie looked surprised almost shocked at the suggestion the easy-going irish nature saw things in a different light from that taken by the thrifty frenchwoman moreover the idea of girls working for themselves was still viewed as decidedly infra dig by the old-fashioned inhabitants of bolly william she gasped at the thought of her father's wrath at such a suggestion then laughed at the idea of esmeralda's earnings being large enough to stave off the coming ruin i'm afraid it would be taking more than that to prevent it therese you don't know the state our landlords are in over here there's no money to be got at all and things go from bad to worse until mother died i didn't know how poor we were and at first i wore myself to pieces saving pennies here and halfpennies there but there's not much fun in saving twopence when nothing less than thousands of pounds would do any good i grew tired of it and says i to myself a short life and a merry one if i can't help i'll just put the thought from my mind and give the young ones a good time to remember no use troubling the creatures before it's necessary mademoiselle grunted in eloquent disapproval and wished to know whether the master of the house had been equally philosophical is it the major cried bridgie laughing (laughs) he never troubles himself about anything and he has it all fitted up like a puzzle esmeralda is to marry a duke jack a countess in her own right and meself a millionaire manufacturer who will be so flattered at marrying an o'shaughnessy that he will be proud to house pixie into the bargain pat and miles are to go to london to seek their fortunes and the castle is to be let to jack and his wife by preference but failing them to anyone who offers when the major can keep himself and his hunters on the rental without a thank you to anyone it works out so beautifully when you hear him talk that it seems folly to trouble oneself beforehand and suppose you don't marry your country is full of old maids and suppose the castle does not let it is very far from anywhere said mademoiselle who had lived in the gayest city in the world and felt the solitude of ballywilliam only a degree less absolute than that of the backwoods themselves suppose none of these things of which you speak were to happen what then indeed i can't tell you returned bridgie truthfully enough and excuse me my love it's not a very diverting suggestion for the time of year let me keep my millionaire if it's only for the day for by the same token i'm quite attached to him in prospect (laughs) will you come visit me therese when i'm comfortably established in my soap-bubble she was laughing again full of mischief and willful impracticability, and mademoiselle was tactful enough to realise that the time was not apt for pressing her lesson further later on she would return to the charge but to-day at least might be safely given over to enjoyment chapter eighteen